Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Good morning, everyone. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Joe, one of the pastors here, and uh, if this is your first Sunday, thanks so much for coming. Look forward to getting to meet you if I haven't met you yet. Just one announcement, one announcement clarification is Transform is from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. next Saturday. So we just moved it up two hours. Uh, what's happening at IUP is a faith night. They do this every year. So FCA, the Federation of Christian Athletes, hosts the IUP basketball um, faith night. And uh, after the men's game in the evening, uh, there will be testimonies from student athletes at IUP who are Christians just talking about uh, what the Lord has done in their lives. So if you're able to come to that, a number of people from Transform are, are attending that. So that's uh, Transform, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. IEP girls game starts and then the IEP boys game. Is that correct, Joe? Clean. Good. Raise your hand if you got a selfie with Mark Altrogi. Nobody. <laughs> one. We got one in the back. All right. <laughs> um. We are in Mark chapter 7. So if you have a Bible, have a phone, pull up Mark chapter 7. And we're going to go through the whole chapter of Mark 7 today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Lord, thank you for all we're learning about you in the book of Mark. And this morning as you probe our hearts, I pray that we would be responsive and different and change and experience more freedom than we've ever thought possible. Holy Spirit, we pray you show up in power. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Mark chapter 7. I want to begin with a question. You don't have to answer this question. I just want you to think about it. What is the difference between Christianity and every other world religion or philosophy? What are some of the primary differences between Christianity and every other world religion or philosophy. So I thought about this question. I thought there's at least two, probably more, but two very fundamental core answers to the question of the difference between other world religions or other philosophies. The first one, I think it's probably the one that came to mind immediately for you, is that Christianity is not a works-based system. We don't have to strive to earn salvation, or like a philosophy, we don't have to strive to find inner peace. Pastor and author Tim Keller says it this way, the difference between Christianity and all other religions is that Christianity is good news, of what God has done for us. And all other religions are, quote, advice telling us what we have to do to get better, to enter heaven, or to have internal peace. See, Christianity is news. It's news about a man. It's news about Jesus Christ and who he is and why he came. And so it's fundamentally different than any other religion in the world, any other philosophy. And I think that's the first answer that comes to mind. But the second is equally important. 
What's the difference between Christianity and all other religions and philosophies? Well, Christianity is transformational. See, Christianity is the only faith that changes us from the inside out. See, Jesus came definitely to pay for our sins, but he came to make us new. He came to make a way for the Holy Spirit to come inside of us and give us power to actually live a different kind of life. That's why I titled this message, Heart Transformation, Changing from the Inside Out. See, Christianity is the only faith that changes us from the inside out rather than the outside in. The big idea of this message is Jesus came to change us from the inside out. So if you want to change, if there are areas of your life that you feel trapped in, you feel like you're stuck in, whether you're not yet a Christian or you've been a Christian for a long time, here's the good news. Jesus came to change us from the inside out. What's up, Isaac? This is my son Isaac helping. Anything I need to know or do? Video's not working? So just ignore Isaac up here who's serving heroically. I'm tempted to comment, but we'll keep moving. Um, So first point, heart transformation is why Jesus came. Heart transformation, changing us from the inside out, is why Jesus came. Look at verse 1 of Mark. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him, religious leaders, with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem... They saw that some of the disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they came, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash properly. And there are many other traditions that they observe such as washing of cups and pots and copper vessels, dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? A lot of words there. Here's what's happening. Jesus' notoriety has certainly grown. And the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and the scribes, they're concerned about him. So they, seems like, sent a group to police Jesus and inspect his teaching and inspect his action. And here's how, how they did it. They want to challenge Jesus, but in this case, they're taking the indirect route. So they're, they're approaching it more like, and they know full well Jesus is the teacher of the disciples. Hey, hey Jesus, just want you to know. You might not be aware But your filthy disciples not washing their hands before they touch the food, and they're doing all these things that are very wrong according to our traditions. And in other words, they're insulting Jesus, but they're doing it in an indirect way. So if the students of the teacher are misbehaving, which they think they are, then the teacher is not doing his job. And when it says the traditions of man there, not talking about the Old Testament law, talking about the Jewish traditions that developed over years. That is not God's word, and therefore, they were not bound to it. 
So Jesus is hearing this. He knows they're trying to trap him. He knows they're coming after him. And he's about to unload on them. So he switches from defense to offense right away. So if this was a boxing match, right when he saw the the opponent, Jesus just pops him right in the face. So look at verse 6 and you'll see the punch. So the context is, teacher, you're not, you're not doing a good job training these guys. Here's, here's the wind-up. Verse 6. And he said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. Bam. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain Do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men? You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. He turned the tables very quickly. It wasn't just to punch them. It was because he was genuinely concerned that their faith was all external. See, the religious leaders, they made at least two major errors. The first was this, that everything was external. Everything they were concerned about was external actions. Are my hands clean? Am I staying away from people that are unclean? Am I I cleaning the outside up properly? And the other is they, they began to shift from God's Word to putting the traditions of the Jewish people above God's Word. And we learned this, we see this in Mark many times where Jesus is freeing people who are demon-possessed in graveyards. He's healing people. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they can't celebrate. There's no love for God delivering people because their religion is a hollow, external, formal, non-transformational religion. And Jesus is very, very, very concerned about it. He's he's basically saying, you're worried about the wrong things. You're fixated on the wrong things. You're way too concerned about external things, and you're missing that God wants to change us from the inside out. Listen to what he said in Matthew 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate. But inside, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate. Then the outside may be clean. In other words, Jesus doesn't mind that they do some things externally. But his bigger concern is he's, they're not worried about their internal workings. So they might look really good on the outside but the inside is defiled and full of sin that's just festering. He goes on in Matthew 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful. Look nice, beautiful stone. But within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. 
So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, so that we're not too critical on the religious leaders, this is all of us by nature. This is how we are born. We are born with a sinful nature. The Bible is crystal clear about that. And God is also clear throughout the Old and the New Testament. He's concerned about our heart, our internal workings, the very core of our being. He's much more concerned about our internal being than what we're wearing on a Sunday morning, than how we're approaching certain things externally. He wants to know what's going on in our mind and heart. Old Testament example of this, Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the spring of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the spring of life. Solomon's telling us to, to, to guard this, to fear the Lord. Solomon himself, many parts of his life, he did not do that. He did not keep his heart with all vigilance. In the book of Ezekiel, we get a glimpse of the new internal transformation that God's going to make possible. Ezekiel 36 says this, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This isn't an anti-obedience message. This is an obedience from the inside out. A complete transformation. See, Christianity is a heart-transforming faith. It's to be powerful in our transformation. We should be very different people if we know the risen Christ. Now Jesus is going to give an example of how they do this. Look at verse 9. Exhibit A. He said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, quoting the Ten Commandments, Honor your father and your mother. That is God's word, God's law. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, so we got God says, and then these guys say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained for me is Corbin, that is given to God, literally means sacrifice, then you are no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition you have handed down. And many such things you do. In other words, that, that might be a little confusing. What was happening? God's word said, we're to honor our mom and dad. And in, in Jesus' mind here, he's primarily thinking of caring for them financially as they age, taking care of them. But the Jewish tradition came up with this thing called Corbin, which meant sacrifice. So they created a loophole. Rather than giving your money to support your mom and dad in their ailing health and age, 
you can give it to the temple. You can sacrifice it. But as all things tradition-wise, they, they grow. And so by this point, it would be the equivalent of my dad is uh, going to be 70 this year. Mary's dad is 80 this year. And if they needed help financially and we, we could help them, I could say to them if I followed this law, um, bought a new car, bought a new bike, bought a new boat, it's Corbin. It's a sacrifice. And it created a loophole to not obey honoring your father and mother. And so Jesus is saying, you're missing the, the whole point. And, and this law, this man-made tradition, this Corbin thing, created a way to covet, to, to fulfill your selfish desires and ignore God's law. And Jesus wasn't having it. See, Jesus wants us to be changed from the inside out. He is much more concerned about what we think, say, and do outside of this two-hour meeting throughout the week than what we look like and say or do right now, this morning. And he's going to press on this a lot harder in the next section, which brings us to the second point. Heart transformation begins with the proper diagnosis. Heart transformation begins with the proper diagnosis. So just like if we're having a medical condition, if we're having physical problems, the way to get the proper help is to have the proper diagnosis. So Jesus is going to do that. Look at verse 14. And he called to the people, the people to him again, and he said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house, he left the people. And his disciples asked him about this parable. See, he, he kind of gave this abstract parable. Nothing going inside's going to defile. It's what comes out. And the disciples weren't sure what he was talking about. Um, so verse 17, And when they had entered the house, he left the people. His disciples asked him about the parable. Verse 18, And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him? In other words, and we see this in the New Testament, Jesus is going to declare that all foods are clean. So the, the Old Testament law, uh, we're not to eat bacon, we're not to eat shrimp, shellfish, seafood. Um, that changed with Jesus coming, and, and you see that in the book of Acts very clearly. But his point in verse 19, now this is graphic, so see if you catch it. Since whatever, so we're talking about food. So what you put in your mouth, Jesus said in verse 19, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. So, if you eat bacon, it goes into your mouth, goes into your stomach, into the restroom. That's all he's saying. It's, it's just kind of graphic. But his point is, food's not the problem. Our hearts are the problem. Our original nature is the problem. Our problem, fundamentally, is not outside of ourselves. It's inside of ourselves. Our problem with our country is not the structures and the leaders, it's human nature. The problems in the world primarily 
our human nature problems. Now Jesus is gonna, he's gonna push hard here. Look at verse 20. This is Jesus as the interrogator. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, desiring something that's not yours, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within. That's what defiles a person. This is not an exhaustive list. There are other lists in the New Testament, but anger, fear, worry, any sort of sinful thinking and action. It's what's inside of us that needs changed. And this is where Christianity and all other world religions and philosophies part ways. There's nothing but Jesus that can get to this. There's nothing but Jesus that can forgive and transform from the inside out. So if we're in the spiritual doctor's office, Jesus is basically saying, by nature, when I look inside of you, it's a mess. There's all kinds of problems. But here's the good news, and we'll get to it. He came to cleanse and forgive and wash and transform. Now, I want to persuade you a little bit more that your primary problems are inside of you, not outside of you. And I'm going to do it by using my own life. So I became a Christian at the age of 19. By the time I was 22, I've been a Christian three years. Quit a lot of outward sinful things I had been doing. And I thought, I wouldn't have said this, but I thought, I'm pretty close to being like Jesus at this point, age 22. I've done, stopped all these bad things, doing a lot of good things. And uh, I actually understand the Bible now. I'm, I'm actually reading it. And then, what do you think happened on June 5th in the year 1999? Anybody know? Some of you were there, actually. I got married. <laughs> I got married. And um, Mary quickly learned I wasn't Jesus. And I, I quickly learned I wasn't Jesus. And she didn't create the sins that were coming out of me. Um, it's, it's very easy when you're living by yourself to think you got it all together and you put another person in who's um, neater than you, more organized than you, more thoughtful in a whole bunch of ways than you. Um, I went from thinking I was super mature to going way down the scale. Um, this can happen with roommates too. You have a particular roommate that just exposes things in you. They're exposing things in you. They're not causing you to act a certain way. They're, they're, they're pressure applied That's some of that spewing comes out. So a few years into marriage, we have our first child, then our second child, then our third child. And selfishness is more exposed in me. Can't just go do what I want all the time. Can't buy the things I want all the time. We have to provide for 
our family, can't play basketball at will. All those things did not cause any, if I had a bad attitude, if I got angry, if I was worried because now we have bills and responsibilities. I was poor as a college student. I just didn't care. You get married and you have children, you suddenly care. And, and so with that came worry and anxiety. See, none of those things caused any of that. They just exposed it. At the age of 28, I've been a Christian now for nine years, I became a pastor here at this church. And fresh out of a pastor's college, sharp, studied, prepared, wrote my papers, had my conversations, prayed a lot. Thought, I know what I'm doing as a pastor. Fourteen years later, Jesus, help me. I have no idea what I'm doing. I need help. I need help. I don't know anything. I need you. I need your power. I need your spirit. I need your presence. See, pressure just reveals. It reveals our unbelief at times. It reveals our fears, our worries, our anxieties. And it's really important when we're in conflict with others because if we say things to people, and then we say something like, you know what, that's not me. I shouldn't have said that. That's really not me. That's not the real me. Um, I didn't mean that. See, Jesus says this in Luke. He says, the good person out of the good treasures of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasures produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So if I say something hurtful to my wife or to my kids, that's coming out of my heart. Now here's the good news. Because if you are in Christ... We, we are free to own that. Please forgive me for getting angry. Please forgive me for saying hurtful things. We can take full ownership knowing Jesus paid for all of our sins of the past, the present, the future. And then what Jesus does, says in John, He cleanses us. He actually scrubs us down from the inside out so we can be different. We can be loving. We can be kind. We can actually have faith under pressure. See, that transformation begins when we first see that condition, how how wicked and evil we are by nature. And we run to Jesus, say, Jesus, save me and forgive me. And then the renovation, the transformation continues until either we die or Jesus returns. So, There's so much freedom in accepting the diagnosis. Jesus came to die for real sins and real sinners. And what I love about this section of the Bible is he's he's probing the heart. He's not just thinking about things we see on the news, crimes. He's talking about the internal evil thoughts that we might have that nobody around us knows. Jesus knows all, sees all, and he wants to change us from the inside out. So the proper diagnosis is not an end in itself. It's just a means to freedom. It's a means to a life of joy and obedience to the Lord. But you've got to own it. And then run to Jesus. 
and he will forgive you and wash you and cleanse you. See, he came to make heart transformation possible, and he made it possible for everyone who trusts in him, which is the final point. Heart transformation is for all people everywhere who call on his name. All people everywhere. Most scholars believe the book of Mark was written for a Gentile audience, meaning a non-Jewish audience. And so there are certain things in the book of Mark that were intended for the original recipients of the book of Mark who were not Jewish to get their attention. And these two last two stories we're going to look at are intended for Gentiles to see that this Jesus isn't just for the Jewish people. He's for everyone. He can change and transform and help anyone. So, look at verse 24. Jesus is going to bring freedom in a Gentile region. Verse 24, And from there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. So he's trying to do this discreetly, but everybody knows Jesus is in town, so they're, they're coming. Verse 25, But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. This, this mom has a daughter who's severely afflicted by a demon. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophesian by birth. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. So there might have been proper protocol. There might have been people waiting in line to see Jesus. But those of you who are moms, they don't care. She didn't care about the line. This is my daughter. She is severely afflicted. I'm pushing to the front. I don't care who is in my way. My little girl needs help. And I'm going to push through to the man who I think can help her. So she gets attention from Jesus. Look at verse 27. And I'll explain. This is going to sound cruel out of Jesus' mouth. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first. For it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. So he's kind of in hidden language saying, the children are the Jewish people, and the dogs, literally translated the puppies, are the Gentiles and the, the non-Jewish people. So that alone, in our day and age, would have set most people off. And she could have just unloaded on him and his disciples. But she didn't. Look at verse 28. But she answered him, Yes, Lord. She has recognition of him. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. In other words, this woman saw the true Jesus. She knew that he didn't just come for the Jewish people, but he came for all people. And she had faith to believe something that even the disciples were having trouble seeing, that Jesus is the Savior, the Deliverer of all people. She went home, and the girl was, was healed. 
See, no matter who you are, how you have grown up, what you have done or not done, who you have neglected or harmed or hurt, what things you have done that you full well knew they were wrong, if you own them and come to Jesus Christ for forgiveness, He will change you. He will transform you. This is a transformational faith. There is nothing that can keep you from being forgiven by Jesus if you sincerely run to Him and trust in Him. We're going to see one more wild encounter also in this Gentile territory. This man may have been Jewish. He may have been non-Jewish. The text isn't crystal clear. Look at verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went to Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis, the ten cities. That's where the guy we met in Mark 5 who was demon-possessed, Jesus sent him to evangelize in the ten cities. He had been busy evangelizing, same place. Verse 32, and they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. Couldn't hear and couldn't speak properly. And they begged him to lay his hands on him. So just like the paralytic man had friends that, that brought him to Jesus, this man too had friends that brought him to Jesus. Verse 33, and taking him aside from the crowd privately, it's going to seem a little weird in the detail, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. In other words, what, what Tim Keller um, in his commentary on Mark said, and I think it's pretty persuasive, verse 33, Jesus tenderly cared for this man. This is a man who could not hear and could not speak properly. It's very possible this man um, was made fun of his entire life, felt like an outcast his entire life. Um, who knows what he could do occupationally. And so Jesus took him aside. And he couldn't hear, so the, the touching, the tactile stuff, Tim Keller believes, is just a sign of care to help the man know what's happening. You can... See if that's persuasive for you or not. But verse 34, looking up to heaven, he sighed to him. I forgot to look up how to pronounce this word, so we'll just skip that. You can see it behind me. That is, be opened. He said to the Lord, looks up to God in heaven, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, he spoke plainly. See, Jesus just restored what was broken. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and the man spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And most commentators believe even the fact that this deaf man who could not speak was truly healed physically. He's also giving a picture to the religious people who could not hear from Jesus. They could not, it did not penetrate. Their hearts were hardened. If you cannot hear from Jesus, if when you read the Bible or hear the Bible preached, it just bounces, you need to ask the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, Soften this. Change this. 
transform this. And he will. Before I was a Christian, I remember hearing the Bible read or preached, and it just bounced. I couldn't see it. I couldn't hear it. It made no sense. And then one day, it made sense. Jesus opened my eyes. See, in Isaiah 35, Isaiah actually prophesies about what Jesus will do. And we see it in this man. Then, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then, then we shall see the lame man leap like deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy, for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So Jesus did that. But what is true physically, even more so, is true spiritually, internally. He can change. He can transform. There can be joy and peace when there is misery and unrest. There can be faith where there's presently fear. There can be love where there's presently anger. See, we believe in a transformational faith in Jesus Christ that begins when we trust in Christ initially, but it should never change the transforming power of the Lord. Keep running to Him. Keep asking. Keep calling out to Jesus. Because what is true then is true now. Verse 37, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear, the mute speak. He even makes the spiritually blind see, the spiritually deaf hear. He even makes the most vile, angry man the most loving, kind man. He even makes the most paralyzed by fear individual, bold and ferocious in faith. See, there's a disconnect happening if your life is not transforming as you're reading the Bible, as you're coming to church. And we'd want to help you sort through that disconnect. But more importantly, ask the Lord to help you sort through that disconnect. See, Jesus came to change us from the inside out. So a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, we should be different than we are now. Let's pray. Why don't you stand and the band can come up. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're among us and we pray for heart transformation. Lord, I know it begins with myself. Pray that I would grow and change and be different. Pray we individually and as a church, would grow and change and be different. And the fruit of the Spirit would be pronounced and strong among us. And we will give you the glory and the praise. Lord, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you diagnose us properly. And we trust you. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.